This here is preserved for the work of mine. Keep me in the air. Let's go. Ooh. What's up? Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a returning guest. I think you're one of the longer Zoom interviews I did, and this time you're in person, which I'm very excited about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy Django. What's up, y'all? Yes, and sir. And the reason that podcast was so long because we good friends now. Yes, sir. We're like six nine <laughs> academics at this bitch. I'm telling you, I'm one of your biggest fans for the in the music scene. Honestly, bless me, man. Come on, bless me. So I asked uh, unemployed this because they've been making trips up to. Spokane, you were part of their photo shoots. Yeah, we're homies. And I was just wondering, for you, what is the importance of traveling to Seattle? Like, why don't you just use the internet to your advantage and not even worry about music scenes whatsoever? Mm, Call me old-fashioned, but I like to have face-to-face conversations. You can't get the emotion out of... um, the internet, you can't get the emotion out of like a text message or IG message. You can't really like understand what a person's about or what their passion is when you're four hours away. You know what I mean? So I'd rather drive four hours, tell that person, hey, I drove four hours and I wanted to talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, I I just think it it hits deeper. Like, oh, let me take you seriously. You know what I mean? So you're a personable person. I'm definitely a personable person. Every girl, ask any girl that I've ever dated, (laughs) any friend that I've ever, my best friends, they don't text me. Sometimes they call, but they FaceTime me. I like to see. I like to see your eyes, your expression. Oh, shit. You're one of those FaceTime artists? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not the corny ones, either. I'm like the, oh, whoop, 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 whoop. I got to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was was never big into phone calls Mm. until I started the podcast. Because I I think I watched too many. It might also be my generation. But I watched too many of the Taken movies. So I always feel like if I'm getting... (laughs) Yo! (laughs) No way. So I always felt like if someone, I didn't know the number, if they were just going to call me and be like, your grandma is in my basement or some shit. Just hang up, bro. (laughs) No, no, no. But I don't know. I feel like that can't just be a me thing. That I just, I never was really comfortable. Like everyone, I wasn't even comfortable like calling the pizza guy. Yeah, but look, I'm here right now. We're having a face-to-face combo. (laughs) So you must be a little better at it. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say, though, about like the 509 or 206 connection, the reason I feel it's super important is because uh, for the longest time when I was building in a 509, the infrastructure was... And that's um, Spokane, by the way. Yeah. Well, the whole east side is a okay. 509, but Spokane is where I reside. Um, the infrastructure out there is lacking. So a lot of what we did 
starting off was going out to Seattle was just to like meet who's who, learn things from people. We took, um, we went to a lot of workshops, the KXP workshops, and just educate ourselves on what this industry actually was, um, what what it means to be someone who's like um, a, a pillar in the industry, and like what that responsibility looks like. Like, how do you lead everybody in your community to water? Like, the thing that we had was like a lack of appreciation for like arts specifically the hip-hop culture in our city so we took we took a lot of time and value into meeting who was who connecting letting them know who we are because at the end of the day we want to bring people back we've brought travis thompson back we've brought Romero back we've brought mike capes back over here like we've brought in artists from the west side over to the east side to continue to create that connection allow our people on that side to know who they are and allow their people on that side to know who we are you know what i mean it's important so it's more than just you can be i feel like you can get stuck if you're just trying to like make connections and make it one big community but are you using those connections to your advantage or like what is important of making all these connections and bringing them back to spokane um um we like to talk of it as like we're building a bridge so Sure, there are some opportunities where maybe it's adventurous for us to have those conversations or like meetings or whatever for festivals, shows, just whatever, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, us doing that and making that connection, um, again, allows other artists on our side, if they're actually paying attention, to make those same connections. You already have a bridge. You already have a pathway to walk down. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's all about wanting to take what we've done there and come back to our side and and build the structure but how do you make sure like this is kind of a if cynical the right word i don't know if cynical is the right word hmm. but i feel like no matter what it's always going to happen whether you become su- successful or not but how do you make sure you're not just a fucking like stair step for someone else and then you never actually get to sign but you've helped someone else or do you not care if you're not the one who actually gets the shine in the end mm, that could be a that would be a very interesting play i've truthfully never thought about that because my mentality doesn't allow me to stop i guess so if that was the case i wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that like at the end of the day like i built this to hopefully allow me and everybody else who actually wants to put in the work and deserving to grow so however that may look you know what i mean that's just like one part of my journey that's not like my main focal is like my whole brand is about like building a bridge you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but i do think it is a very important part. I do think whoever decides to walk down the bridge, like more blessings to you. And I would never have any animosity towards anybody who um, climbs on my back and jumps. You know what I mean? Jump, yeah. fool. You know what I mean? Go where you can go, baby. I feel yeah. like it, I feel like it'd be harder for like an artist like you or Trey to kind of get stagnant though, because you do have to make the trek. You know, like you yeah. actually have to put in that work and you see the work versus like some yeah. people if they're whether it's Seattle or whatever music scene, they kind of get they can feel like they're stuck in that circle. But you're not really. You're part of the Seattle music scene circle, but you're not really part of the circle jerk <laughs> because yeah. you get to leave and see it from the outside perspective. Yeah, we're definitely not um, complacent. And like you said, like those four-hour drives from Spokane to Seattle, it used to be six. But those four-hour <laughs> drives from Spokane to Seattle, like there is so much growth in the conversations. Like we're always identifying key players, identifying like key areas, um, groups, and we're always just trying to move on to bigger and better things. You know what I mean? Like. When, when you're putting in that much effort, it's hard to just be like, oh, this is whatever. Oh, it is for whatever. Like, we're, we're making sure every time we come out here, it's impact, impact, impact. And what can we bring back to our city and just grow off and prosper off? You know what I mean? And do you get to perform at venues in Spokane or is it more likely you're performing here in Seattle? Um, 
like in this time frame now because of COVID and all that? Or just in general, since like your come up, like have you has Spokane accepted you, or have you felt more accepted? Oh, here in absolutely, Seattle? Spokane has accepted me, man. My first headlining show sold out. Second one sold out. Um, I've been able to headline for for numerous larger music festivals in Spokane. Uh, volume being one, which is a really big one. Mr. DC came one of the years. Ann Paris came. Uh, Alan Stone came. And I performed during the same time as Alan Stone and sold out a venue with 400 people at the same time. Like, people definitely have a, a deep love and appreciation for me out in Spokane. The 509 has a deep appreciation for me in Spokane. And I think that's what allowed me to really have more respect over here in Seattle because they see me as that. People are recognizing, oh, you actually have momentum in your city. You actually have, like, respect for the people around you and vice versa. So I think it, it really is a... a We've been building that that look. We've been building that respect. We've been building that energy in our city for a long time. So it's like nowadays, we really are looking to expand. Um, to answer your question about the shows, I mean, because of COVID, it's definitely a lack of shows. But we definitely, we do a great job as far as like doing our own headlining shows. We're a part of a couple bills, but sometimes it gets a little tricky um, being a part of um certain artist bills just depending on like where they're at there's not so many great options on the local side to be just kind of um um opening up for if that makes sense mm -hmm. i'm more in a like headline position more of like co-headline position um um in my city at least so tell the audience about fremont fridays and what that is oh my gosh first off fremont fridays is a success <laughs> but it's a um I believe it's an artist-led event um, that the Martial Law Band um, really kind of pioneered and put together um, every week for the last 12, 15 weeks? It's been a while. It's been a minute. For the last 15 weeks this summer, they've been putting on successful shows every Friday in the Fremont area and just really opening it up to a plethora of artists. You know what I mean? And that's been like very inspiring for me it's like you're not just catering these um um the the bills to just like a certain little group or something it's not like a little niche or we're doing it the same same every time like they've given so many different artist opportunities including me and some other 509 artists i seen uh ylc ethan got to perform and with kc and shit that was cool like they've opened up a door for a lot of artists to get quick exposure and to like meet a lot of people in a time where it's been kind of like tough to get shows you know what i mean so yeah no that that was a prosperous long series of events that they did and bless them for it and tonight this is the final Fremont yeah Friday. recording this on friday what day is it it's getting dark out if i don't if i don't know what, time yeah. is <laughs> what day is it hold on Ooh, august 27th friday Holy 417 shit. it's almost 420 <laughs> that's crazy though yeah like, how does it feel that this is like the last fremont friday I don't know. With all great things comes an end, right? So I think this is going to be a chapter in my life I get to reminisce on and be like, you made my summer fucking awesome. You know what I mean? You made my summer awesome. You allowed me to get an opportunity to be in front of three, four, three to four hundred people and really like make impressions and like really get a lot of that energy out. I think it's important for artists and I didn't recognize it until we had to sit down that like when you don't get to perform, we don't get to express that amount of energy it just sits dormant and it literally like it affects it affects me you know what i mean it affects my like everyday life not being able to perform so marshall really gave, gave me opportunity to release some of those feelings that were kind of like balled up you know what i mean
So, so. what are you, you going to do now, though? Like, what's the next step after? Oh, I mean, um, we got a couple festivals still going. I'm, I'm doing Fisherman's Village. What is that? September 11th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be out here in Seattle or Everett doing Fisherman's Village, that festival. Um, I got a festival over at uh, Boise, Idaho for um, Tree Fort. You know what I mean? And we're also playing a couple co-headlines and headlines in my city. So we're, we're always staying busy. Um, more music needs to be created. I'm finishing up my project. I know we've been talking about it for a minute. I know we've been talking about it for a minute. But the Seattle Sessions project dropped, so I wanted to get that little time to breathe. That was super dope. Oh, wait, wait. You're the first. I think you're one of the first Seattle Session artists I've had on the podcast. What's up? So t- tell me about your experience on the Seattle Session. What's sessions. up? Um, it's kind of crazy to think about it now because that was one of those before COVID experiences. Two years now. <laughs> yeah. That was like we literally um, Chase Fade, um, super dope videographer. He actually had an opportunity to film during the Revenge of the Dreamers 3 sessions. So then he came back with all that inspiration and was like let's do the seattle sessions and so what he did was um he booked um a studio house uh i think it's called sage studios yeah it's in it's in edmund it's either i think it's in edmunds yeah aurora is where it was at i believe up north but um does that sound right yeah okay cool it's like oh my god do i know seattle (laughs) but um yeah it was up there north um the the house had not a house but the the area had six um studio rooms and we utilized it for two days and we had like over over 70 uh creatives and artists in the room man in all those rooms and we just spent time making hella songs yo like you know when you get in a studio session you kind of like you make one song and it takes for forever to do it it's like we were knocking out tracks like we were bouncing off of our energy like we were on crack or something it was (laughs) it was nuts bro it really was so inspiring it really was so um great for me as an artist from the 509 I was the only Spokane artist so to get that much respect and like opportunity to be around these artists and they're like really like down to hop on songs with me and not really know too much about me it was like it definitely was a um confidence booster when I came back home I was just like mm. I was like, y'all don't even know what I've been doing. Y'all don't know. I was the only one invited. Like, I got the goddamn yellow ticket. You know what I mean? But it really was like, it was an eye opener to me to like, like, I always had this impression like Seattle was like the biggest thing, right? Then I got here and like, I became a part of it in a ways. Not like homebody, but a part of it. I, I was accepted here. And I started to see Seattle for what it was. And it was another, it's another branch, another st- a stepping stone for me to like achieve more of that. Na- or international national look that I want. So this is just one market and a plethora of many markets, you know what I mean? And so treating it like that and seeing it like that, it's allowed me to um, just be comfortable in many different rooms. Mm-hmm. Did you follow any of the, the drama, with, like people pulling out of it or like? Um, I'm aware of the drama, but to be honest, what doesn't personally affect me doesn't really pique my interest, I guess, as much. Good answer. <laughs> um, I'm just, you know, everyone has their own opinions. And like my mom said, no, no, never mind. Everyone has their own <laughs> opinions, you know what I'm saying? And so at the end of the day, my career should not be swayed or dictated or moved by someone else's opinions. Like their career is totally different than mine. So where their decisions may have them cut out, my decision will have me going all in. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I, I was aware of some of the drama, but to be honest, it's like I'm not from Seattle. So I'll be damned to be the one mixing involved in someone else's drama, bro. Like, 
I'm, I'm the cousin. I'm in Spokane. Mm-hmm. The 519 artist. And then how it was like 21 songs or something on the album. And you made how many songs did you make on that? Uh, I got I made seven. I got three tracks that were accepted for the sessions. I feel like you were on. You were only on three. I feel like you yeah. had like some ad libs on a couple. Also. Oh no, that's crazy. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I mean that'd be tight. You know, we did play around with some things, but now nah, I was on three three tracks for sure. I got nice verses on uh, with dope artists, bro. We we yeah. I mean Mac was on a track or Mac. Yeah, he was on one of the tracks. Um, Hentai, Nobi. That was the, which one was that? What tracks did you do for people who haven't? Okay, yeah, yeah. So hit us, hit us was the track with like all the artists on it. We, we Katil's on that bitch, Destra's on that bitch, Macintosh's on that bitch, King Lee's is on that bitch, and a couple more. So if I forgot your name, don't don't fight me after this interview. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, I'm on Souffle, one of my personal favorites. I literally went the fuck off. I went the fuck off. I just had to let that shit breathe for a second. I went the fuck off. And then um, Coop, which is actually like a dope ass, like almost kind of clubby shit. Mm-hmm. But I went off on that too, my bad. You know what I mean? There was the, the I was happy that it was finally released. Like, yeah. My God. It was supposed to come out even. like three or four months after the recording. Like he already had the videos he was going to film and everything. And it was like. We shot that shit in like January, or we did the shit in January. We're talking about doing videos in February, and then March hit. And it was COVID. And it was like, oh my god, like shit, shut the fuck down. So, so at this point, are you having to reach out to artists to be on cool things like this, or are they like, are you like on a notebook where they're like, hmm, I need to reach out to Django, and then like, um, like Fremont Fridays and all this stuff? Like, are they reaching out to you, or? Well, like I said, we're we're always a team um, of impact. So the impressions that I made with a lot of those artists. Um, I got phone numbers, I got contacts, and I stay in contact, covert or not. Like, I like to face him, I like to call. So, I had many conversations with these people. So, as far as like collaborations and songs, it's like we, we go back and forth. That's why I'm out here so much. Like, I, I work a lot um, in, in studios, I'm over at Digital Studio a lot. Uh, back when Beans was over here, we used to kind of like come in and out of his studio. I've worked with Creeps, I've, I've worked with, oh, and I'm, I'm in with Alon and uh, Nima. Every now and then, you know what I'm saying? I'm in and out with them. So I was just in the studio uh, at Nima's, at the Ruby Room with Katil and uh, Chase, just working on some other stuff, dabbling, listening to sounds, and just continuing to create, man. Like, the Seattle artists over here, like, they accept me. So we're, we're friends, we're cool, and I'm continuing to grow my network. That's the network. Can you, and can you break down what your team is? Is it a record label? Is it a management company? What um, is it? Yeah, so I have a management team. Um, and then there are other artists and creatives who are a part of that management team. So my manager being Riker and my business manager, Brayton. And then um, right now on the roster for artists, it is me and All Day Trey. But we also got a host who's also a, a cannabis connoisseur. Um, oh, my God. I almost forgot his name. That would be crazy. Young Crowd. Um, I got a LD, you know, man who runs my lights. Grant, what's up? Um, I got my man's who runs my the the ones and twos the dj but i don't call him dj but death star because he's like this crazy edm dude like he's just like fucking insane in the edm world but he he likes me so he spins for me and shit you know what i mean so what, and, what do like artists do if they don't have a team like that are they kind of screwed or can they still make it without a full team well i mean i wouldn't suggest to any artist that you would start with a team 
I didn't start there. I think it's really good to build yourself up to that. So I started out without a team, you know what I mean? I What I did was just source myself out for shows. I was selling tickets. I was pushing. I was trying to make a name for myself without doing the most, you know what I mean? I was just trying to be relevant in my city. And that was like 2015, 2016, before I had the pleasure of meeting my manager. And the reason, like, we... I, I knew of her. I knew her um, before that. She really had a bigger connection with my mother. But what really like turned the wheel for me was I was um, driving back from an unsuccessful South by Southwest trip where I was promised uh, if I paid for a slot or some junk, I'd be able to perform and got there and found out it was a 21 plus venue. And the dude I paid for, he was like, yeah, um, we were outside. And he was like, he was talking to me. He was like, yeah, I'm going to talk to the venue owners and get you in. I stood in front of that door for two hours, uh, and he never came out. I was texting him. He blocked me, uh, took my money. I had to drive all the way back from Texas back to Washington, bro. He was like, it was it was surreal. And on that drive back home, um, I remember I complained on Facebook, and Riker, <laughs> she had my phone number at this time. We had been in conversation. We had a two-hour conversation, and from that, I was like, I don't know what I got to do, but I need to be around her more because I'll be damned if I ever waste a dollar, a cent of my money ever again on some BS, on some bullshit opportunities that could have been seeded out had I just taken the time to, like, look at the address. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, or, like, look at the fine details. like, And so, um, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. This is crazy. Uh, I just want to address this as far as, like, the team. Um, I also have a mentor, Chili Mac. Um, this dude, from my mindset as an artist, he's been the biggest of blessings. He has really, like, allowed me to grow up as an adult, like, as a man, and, like, really, like, taking ownership of my business and my brand and, like, my music and taking it seriously. Like, I went from a hobbyist to, like, a full-on career artist, you know what I'm saying? I haven't worked a regular 9-to-5 since 2017. I take pride in that shit. I'll be damned if I ever go back, you know what I mean? That's crazy, but how? What would you do if you moved to Seattle? Do you think you'd have to pick up? Because you said that like Spokane's like a cheaper living too. Yeah, absolutely. So, is it? Would it be hard to transition to, to like a Seattle area and still be a full time artist, or like, have you thought about that? And what would the steps take to do that? I don't personally where I'm at in my career, and I don't even see in the next two years. I don't see any benefit in moving into Seattle. I think how I'm situated right now, living in Spokane and not having to work and like really be more full-time focused on a career it's like i can take all this moments to like live and learn like know what works and knows what doesn't know how to generate income know how to like successfully like brand myself and advertise myself and then go over to somewhere like seattle if i ever did that which i again don't think i would but i wouldn't i wouldn't come out here until i had a successful like brand to sit on mm. i'm not trying to come out here to like then work a job and try to figure out and navigate in here i want to travel over here learn meet people meet people meet people meet people have a base and then I would move, yeah. What do you think you've done that like other artists can't do like during the pandemic? Like have you made merch or like NFTs or anything? Like I actually man, I really want to dive into NFTs and it kinda bugs me that I don't have um more knowledge on it. But my in house producer, and this is someone I didn't even like name, that's so crazy. Ben Sway, the genius, the scientist, um, he's like mentioned to me um about NFTs heavily. So like come and with this next project, you guys will be seeing like more creative NFTs. You will be seeing more like creative merch lines. But I haven't like done too much focus on that. I've um done more like there's been opportunities for like appearances and a lot of like support from the city and like certain like um um live stream events and things like that. It's been allowed me to kind of like abide by. Are you good at saving money? I'm 
bro, I still got dollar bills from 2017. <laughs> I'm great at saving money. I'm I'm a I'm a ball on a budget type guy. Like if I don't need it, I'm cool. My yeah. wants, like my wants, always take a back seat to my needs. If that makes sense. So, what is your most prized possession then? My life. Boo. Sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, I, I'm not a materialistic person. So, realistically, it's like when it really comes down to it, like I don't, I don't really hold possessions or materialistic things to any like. That's Ray, right? What's his um, groovy peso? That's oh yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, I will tell you though, I have a deep love and appreciation for like local sounds too small for like, I will say local just so you guys can understand what I'm talking about. But like when I have creative friends who make stuff and they make it well, I'm like all into it. This is um a piece from Groovy Peso. I actually met him at Fremont Friday um during the, the Seattle Sessions edition. And after I performed, I had like a very inspiring and like encouraging conversation with Groovy who I found out um, had a clothing company called Failure's Only Option. And from that conversation, two weeks later when I was back, he had already made this for me. Oh. It has the whole freaking, it's back. Okay, so there's Failure's Only Option here, right? But peep this. Upper left? Upper left USA, baby. And that's everything we rep. Y'all already know how it goes, man. My uh, clothing brand, the great P&W, got, they got this dope. Um, well, you have your own clothing brand? No, 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 sorry. The clothing brand that endorses me, thank you mm. for correcting me. The clothing brand that endorses me out in Spokane, they, and they're fairly large, they're they're all around the PNW, and they've been expanding even past that. But they got this dope, um, this merch line and, that they push out the upper left, and that's, that's heavily where I'm at. Because the upper left, to me, that's like culture. It's not just like the landmark or the identified piece it's like that's our culture with the upper left usa you know what i mean i was talking to Riker, and she she was saying there's like there's a difference between like endorsements yeah investments yeah. and sponsors yeah can you break that down um fairly lightly i think my business manager would be able to break that one <laughs> down a little better but as an endorsed artist i'm like it's 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 like not only do they like support my shows um but i'm i'm like first pick first look in all their new clothing lines i'm like in there when they're like designing some of the pieces you know what i mean um when they're doing events i'm typically always one of the artists who's um invited to go like i just for the first time got to go over to uh joel's lake house from one of the photo shoots i was like this man's sitting on some money <laughs> i was like yo our team is sitting on some money yo but yeah i would think the difference between like endorsing and like sponsorships like there's a lot of like people who get sponsors and they'll get like a little care package and get to like push that out a couple little clothing lines but i'm like involved on like a lot of the look like you see me on their website i'm i'm endorsed i'm supported by the great pnw i'm their only endorsed artist and have you figured out how to get into like netflix shows or like you know like putting your songs on tv shows or movies or you're talking about like sing licensing and all that mm -hmm. um we're definitely my producer again ben suede he's a genius when it comes to like the sync and my management they're they're fairly like actively working on that but again um a lot of those opportunities that we're looking at, it involves like the new project. We're not really kind of like focusing on any of the back catalog at the moment. Um, I just think because really with the with the new project, it's such a it's it's fairly drastic. It's a, it's a drastic change in sound from my 2017 and one by choice project. Mm -hmm. And so we're really trying to make sure like when I step out and when I'm getting like 
represented, whether it be like music or sonically, like sound and stuff. We want to make sure it's all the new stuff. So we definitely have been looking at a lot of like different sync opportunities, but um, a lot of that will be occurring and around the same time frame as when the project drops. Oh, tell me about like your sound chains. I know we were talking a little bit about like horrorcore and like yeah, yeah, grittiness, because yeah. you're definitely an artist. I can see you can get gritty as fuck if you want it. Horrorcore is a cool sound. It's not necessarily how I would identify my sound. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely hip hop based artist. I'm a I'm a, a genre bending artist. So you'll see elements of rock in my music. You'll see elements of the EDM in my music. You'll even see elements of like heavier rock so like some of the metal that's because like my producer comes from a, a metal background like he's a top 10 charting billboard producer who does not play around you know what i'm saying uh in the metal world so because of that i've had a lot of opportunity to blend a lot of my hip-hop influences with that rock with that metal so you see you hear the heavier chugs you you hear the 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 pop structure going on there because he's heavy in the pop and we're really just more focusing on making like great compositions great songs great hits like billboard charting hits you know what i mean that's like my main focus um in that world and again like when i speak on like hip-hop when i speak on the e and when i speak on the rock like a lot of these elements are prevalent here in the northwest like you get the rock from like nirvana you know what i'm saying you you get the edm out here you get the clearly we got a lot of hip-hop influences going on over here uh, EDM with Odessa, hip hop being like Macklemore's, you get the Sir Mix a lot. We got a lot of that culture. So there's a lot of things that inspire B. We just want to put them together. Mm -hmm. Be that bridge. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, sir. Bring your mic down a little bit. There you go. What's see going your, on, baby? Your beautiful face. Come on, baby. What's up? So why haven't you worked with like artists outside of the upper left, even? Like, like a Chicago or a New York or an LA? Or have you? Coming soon with a new project. <laughs> yeah no i got i got um a couple features outside of um the region um for the last couple years we've been just really big on building those bridges in the region so we've been really big on like making the connections into seattle that's why i did the kung fu grip uh feature for legacy back in 2018 that's why i did the sam Chow feature uh just fairly recently on merchandise here to just really solidify that connection from Spokane to Seattle. And now from that, we've been looking um, abroad. We've, we've secured some cool names, people you would rock with um, on my project. And I'm super excited to like release that and start to like show people how far we've really expanded. You know what I mean? Dude, I remember when I interviewed Sam Child, that was like back in March. Yeah. And he, he brought up your name and he like told me that you guys had something in the works. But then it's cool to finally see it. Oh yeah, true. you okay. Obviously, you were talking about the merchandise joint, but again, like we got, we got a couple little gems. Me and Sam, really? we hang out. Like he's he's the homie. He's so he's so easy to get along with. He's so easy to just be friends with. He's not like a complicated person. He doesn't like make things like odd or weird. He's just kind of like let's do it, let's do this. Like he's he's about stuff. He's about doing things. You know what I mean? So yeah, we got a couple little joints. I like his dog. Yeah. Dub. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I wanted his dog to be um, in the merchandise and music video. The best we could do was get the portrait of his dog in the music video, which was totally fine with me. I was like, that's fucking awesome. It's this huge, like, the portrait's almost bigger than me. I'm not a tall dude, <laughs> but it, it was almost bigger than me. So shit was tight. Wait, where was that even shot at? It was like a warehouse or something. You talking about merchandise? Yes, merchandise. Um, It was all shot over in Spokane. Um, As far as that location where I was in the glass, it was... Uh, empty shop co on the top of the south hill yeah and 
shoot low-key a lot of music videos were shot in there i know mac had a couple that was shot in there uh, obviously i had a couple that were shot in there um and i know some other artists hip-hop artists that justin frick shoots for has been in there but it was man we've you've never seen a shop go turn into such a dope studio <laughs> spot like ever like he, he made it tight hell yeah so what is the biggest thing in the past few years that you've learned about the music industry um one is forever evolving um there's no rule books there's no you need to do it like this like as an artist especially in today's world like more now than ever you have to be on your toes you have to be able to adapt and you got to be like aware of what's going on you know what i mean i think that was like one of my biggest takeaways like i used to kind of just be in my own bubble and because of that i'd only go as far as my bubble would reach you know what i mean mm -hmm. but now that i'm kind of like more aware of like what this person is doing what this is doing why this influences these people like what people care about like what's actually going on in the world um i've been able to like navigate and like really find my place uh, in this industry do you pay attention to like pop culture and the fucking like little Nas and baby, baby stuff? Or? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm fairly, I'm fairly, um, I stay fairly relevant on that. And whatever I do miss, my manager keeps me on, and my producer Ben Swade, he's like more about the pop culture than I am. It's scary. Like I'm really kind of like I stay kind of deep dove into like hip hop culture, but I see how important the pop culture is. So I've been continually trying to find ways to just dive in, see what's going on. The little, the little, um, what I will say about the Nas X stuff, it's, it's super interesting. Um, I think, actually think it's a great time right now because a lot of people are having a lot of opinions and you can kind of see their biasness. Yeah. A lot of people will say, oh, it's because of this. Like, I didn't like your shoe because of the blood. Is it that? Or oh, dude, I fucking went to, when I took my tour to LA, yeah. I, I drove through Portland and I went, I forget the name of the shop, but there's a few hype stores in Portland. And selling like, the shoe? Yeah, in shut a fucking up. glass case, the shoe. Shut I was like, holy shit. So I had to take a picture of that. But I was like, wow, I can't believe I've actually seen it in person now. And you know what? I will say this because, again, I kind of try to stay out of like controversy. <laughs> but I will say, when Lil Nas X was coming up, a lot of the people were calling him, like, were bashing him. And because he was coming out as a, a, a artist, a part of the LGBTQ community. You know what I mean? Got the plus. I didn't forget it. I was waiting for you to say it. Thank oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to alley-oop me. There we but, go. <laughs> um, and because of that, he was getting a lot of like, a lot of like negative response from the hip hop community who uh, some people don't think like, um, like gay or queer should be involved in rap or hip hop, which is like completely ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's a lot of people in the communities, like you got the Christians, the Catholics are like, oh, you're a Satanist, all this stuff. So it was kind of interesting for me to see when he embraced it and kind of made fun of people. That's how I caught it. That people were just like pissed off, just completely mad. But it's like, y'all was already calling him that. Y'all was already saying it and he embraced it. Now you're still mad. I'm like, chill out like there's no way this dude's really a a satanist per se like that'd be crazy i thought that stuff died down you know like i thought like in the 70s and 80s i guess even the 90s like oh shit when was that song i've been doing this tiktok because i blew up on tiktok you did yeah but then i got <laughs> i got i got banned so i had oh so my god no. I, I figured out how to like to hack the system but now i have to rehack it so i'm finding i'm like i have like five different TikTok accounts and I'm trying different things with each with each account. Right. And one of the accounts is still has like the NAS podcast username. 
but the, the content I'm posting is called cringy Christians. So I post like Christian like music videos or Christian shit that's really cringy. Whoa. And like this one thing I found was you know Led Zeppelin. Yeah. There's this song. I really don't know when it came out. I'm guessing like the 70s. The mm-hmm. Stairway to Heaven. Mm-hmm. I got a song. I found this video on YouTube of this like pastor. Is it pastor? Preacher? Pastor? One of those. Pastor. What are the, one he of said those. pasture. It was like the grass? <laughs> the cow pasture. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he was like, <laughs> it's like a 13-minute video. And like for some reason, I'm able to watch the whole thing because I'm just. Just intrigued. I'm You're just stuck. intrigued. Yeah. Basically, he was saying that Led Zeppelin, the Stairway to Heaven song, if you play it reverse, it talks about Satan, which is obviously like bullshit. But like he'd be like, okay, guys, now I'm going to play it in reverse. If you hear anything about Satan, please raise your hand. And then he'd pause and be like, did anyone hear the Satan word? And then people would like raise their hand. There's obviously like no fucking Satan Was it words. BS? It was total BS, but uh, because they believe in it so deeply, like they believe that Led Zeppelin's working with Satan. And then like he opens up, the video video opens up about how like Oprah Winfrey and all these people sold their soul to the devil. Shut But I, I thought all that stuff kind of died down with music at least. But clearly then, not, brother. With the little Nas X Mm-mm. thing. It's... No, people are always waiting and ready to be like, it's craziness. Yeah, it's tough, bro. It's so, tough. So what do you think about COVID? Do you think we're going to go into another lockdown, or how are you feeling? Gosh, I think we're going to end up going into another lockdown. The reason I think so is because, in my opinion, once you start seeing festivals and shows cancel, if... Splash you know, press. Yeah, mm-hmm. tough. But when you start seeing like that happening and occurring like worldwide again... It kind of is like to me an indicator that we may be either as a whole, as a unit, America, whatever, or just maybe just Washington, like going in the wrong direction. I think this summer really put things in perspective for a lot of people. Like all these mandates, all the things that we're doing, we just got back in the mass. Now you can't even really step into certain buildings without like a 48 hour COVID test. Like that was, that's tougher than before when COVID <laughs> happened. So it seems like with all these regulations, I could easily see things shut down. Like, they're trying to like avoid that. That's why they're doing all these little things. You're like, let's do this step first. But I don't know. I've been hearing people have been forging their freaking tests <laughs> and doing all this extra stuff. It's that. It's all the people who want to just like break the rules. That's just gonna ruin it for everybody. It's always that. You get a couple people breaking the rules, and now we're all fucking locked down. Me and my co-host for my second podcast have a bet that by November, things are gonna get locked down because we have all Lord. these sporting events, all these festivals. People are. From those sporting events and festivals are now starting to go back to college. Yeah. So let's sim around in those colleges, and colleges are full force again, you know? Yeah. So well, what, I mean, the colleges, they're, they're forcing you to get your vaccine. If you want to go to school, you got to get a vaccine. But there's all these different variants. So this is what I was talking to, like, all my... So I'm 20, like, all my friends are still in college. So okay. I was I was telling them, like, back, like, last summer, they would be like, I don't care if I get COVID. I've already had COVID. So yeah. Like, yeah, it's not dangerous now, but every with every host, it mutates. So yeah. you're not worrying about it this summer, but next summer you're going to be worrying about it. So people so, don't understand. It's getting worse. So this is the worst it's actually ever been, but people are treating it like it's not that bad. So that's it's kind of, it's, I don't know if it's funny, but I, th- I think a lot of dark stuff is funny, honestly. But this is... <laughs> <laughs> you got a little quiet. He's like, honestly. I was like, Jesus. Jesus. But Lord Satan. I don't know. I hope things are good, but I feel like, um, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I pray on it. 
I am. Um, I'm happy I got you in the, in the studio at least. That's pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> if everything shuts down, I'm gonna go back to this video. But like, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Like we were talking about it like months ago. When was our last interview? Dude, that was a minute. That's so crazy. It oh, see, there's either before COVID or after, but now I just realized this was an end COVID. End <laughs> COVID. <laughs> I'm not that funny, y'all. I'm sorry. But um, that yeah. Sometime crazy. in COVID, we had that, and now we're here. Had a little moment, so. Thank God we were able to do it, right? Yes, sir. So what are your goals then before things get locked down? Like you're doing these festivals and are you gonna be releasing this project anytime soon? Or um man, dude, Drake, Kanye, Wait Kendrick's for- about to drop. <laughs> like I'm not finna compete with the best. Um I do have a couple of singles coming out um in the remainder of this year. Um we got some more surprises with a couple other artists from Seattle area some Seattle session stuff that will be coming to light here soon but as far as a project um sometime early next year so 2022 yeah I just to be honest man like I don't know if you've seen like I'm I'm fairly like I pay attention to like what's going on in the region a lot like Travis Thompson had to cancel his tour you know what I'm saying oh he already Sam- canceled it yeah that tour was canceled a couple weeks ago uh-huh. um Sam Challenge Soul I think they're they're doing a couple show run but like it wasn't as big as what they originally had planned, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's tough to, like, get out and do shows outside of the state. It's even tough to do shows in the state. So for me, um, my best um, support for, like, my albums and when music drops is that it shows. I I take a lot of pride in that. I really like to set the stage and, like, really, like, make a moment for the people. So if I can't express it thoroughly and fully, I don't want to necessarily... Um, put out a full project we put too much effort too much time with this project everything was created from the ground up my project before in 2017 i sourced a lot of the beats and just really focused more on the rap side with this um ben suede um did a lot of the well basically 90 percent of the creation of the beats um with some supportive direction from me and i did a lot of the raps and comp composing on these songs man so like i don't know i'm i just it's my baby, man. I take it way too serious at this point. You know what I mean? For it to just drop and be whatever. Like, I'm not... Streams, all that stuff is cool. But if I can't have tangible numbers, real people in front of me, like, really making progress there, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to... I don't want to release it like that. Yeah, what do artists do? Like, if this... Whether the... We go into another lockdown or not, like, how do artists make money if, if we can't do shows well i know for me for sure um if we do go into another lockdown we are prepared to start only like, fans <laughs> to, you already know <laughs> but um we are prepared to like really start putting ourselves in a position to move merch you know what i mean and just just getting finding more opportunities to um progress their brand without having to be directly in front of people you know what i mean we've we've been in contact with a lot of different like live stream opportunities especially in seattle i've seen some cool little things going on here that we've already kind of set up to be prepared for if such an event ever happened you know what i mean i have enough new music out now to where it would be exciting it would be new it would be a different taste than what we've done before there we go yeah. my final question is i'm still trying to figure this out myself like i've been talking about like unions and stuff yeah even though i honestly don't know much about unions but when when we were sitting with wands and he was talking about like points and all that like have you done any more research on that or understand like what he's talking about like there being different like chapters for 
music unions and like you getting points for being on songs and how that all works out? So I think the whole union thing versus what you're talking about would be splits or two different conversations. True. Um, as far as the union, I'm just, I thought that was a very bold and encouraging idea. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, you're talking about getting people who collectively care about the industry together and starting to um, really build that uh, infrastructure up. So I thought that was extremely powerful and allows the artists to kind of like really retain the artists, the artist managers, and like really like the, the industry to retain some more of that power instead of giving it all to like the um, some of the like promoters and like people who play the rap game and kind of take advantage of artists you see like what he was trying to do was make sure like artists and like people in the industry aren't being taken uh being taken advantage of so i was like that seemed very but he was saying it was already a thing though yeah I, and, and again i'm not necessarily that's crazy as aware of what that is as maybe i should be you know what i mean i um that's wild having my team and stuff we kind of have our own little union <laughs> there used to be like two like unions there's like the actual like union the whatever that's already in place right but i don't even know if it's a union or like some type of education where like artists can understand that there, in fact there's like chapters for these union things and right because there's definitely not enough like your your managers have to do all these re all this research and like even they might not know all the way and you know you need to know someone in the industry and maybe they don't even know how they blew up and like there's just so much like it's like being an artist is almost like blowing up on TikTok you know like you don't know really how you blew up on TikTok but you know you're taking the right steps some way in some sense you know it's absolutely and then again for us the reason we travel out here all the time is because we meet who's who. We identify these people like weeks before we even go. We literally sit there and like have meetings about how we're going to encounter these people and go to the show and do it. And then we execute and make it happen. So a lot of the opportunities that I was getting, the whole reason I'm like on uh, Fisherman's Village, the whole reason I got to perform at Capitol Hill Block Party, the whole reason I got to perform at Upstream before is because weeks before or the year before for upstream we went there and literally met the curators we figured out how it worked we understood what was going on we knew who to submit to what stage to submit to like so we were so heavy on doing our homework and knowing what is going on before we step into a room it's not even funny um so there's that um to answer your question back you're talking about splits and all that um sorry for the two parts <laughs> no, 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 you're totally good i think any artist who is not aware of their splits one needs to be aware of their splits like you you're not making money if you're not aware of your splits someone is collecting your money on your behalf for songs you create that's out in the world that's being spent and you you know what i mean like i don't know i don't think people should be out in the world just releasing music and not being in control or ownership of their stuff but what is a split um so splits is like there's there's two parts to it you get the writer's half and the publishing so publishing would be in regards to like any singer opportunities or anything like that if your songs are played um in like a movie score or stuff like that you would get that percentage there right over there on that side now on the writing side it's like anytime your song is played over on the radio any song you're Anytime your song is played on the stream, you get a certain percentage off that based off of your split. And so if you have full ownership, you get 100% of that income that's coming in from the streams, the radio plays. Um, technically, you're supposed to get played. I don't know how they count this, but technically when your music is played and like, say if you had speakers and you're playing my music, 
there's like a sound scan that can like record that and be like, oh, there was a stream here. Oh, there was this, oh, there was wow. that. And I don't know how any of that works, but yeah. There you get the writer's side, you get the publishing side. And is the point still part of is that when Juan's just talking about points, is that part of the splits? Yeah, he, he was talking about points. That's literally it's the splits is what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't have splits and you wrote and produced the song, do you automatically get splits or you don't have splits unless you actually fill out forms or whatever? You gotta fill it out. So say if like you're a feature on a song and like the the owner of the song goes to like um register the track and make sure it gets on like all the streaming services and stuff they usually utilize like a um a service like distro kid to to get your music up whatever and so when you're doing that and filling out all the splits they have the power to if it's not talked about or contracted out they have the power to give you whatever percentage they want to give you which is mm. a terrible thing um for some people because like you could do a lot on the song and not get nothing because you're not aware how the business works. So it's always important um, before a release to at least have a conversation about the splits and contract it out so you're in a position to get what you're worth, you know what I mean? Right. So what is some advice that you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers? This is your second piece of advice, you know. So oh, yeah. I can't remember what I said <laughs> before, so hopefully I say something <laughs> different. Um... For artists, especially in the emerging scene, be aware of your position in the scene. Be aware of what you have to offer to people. You know what I mean? I think a lot of artists, especially nowadays, and I, I can't necessarily blame people, but we've gotten kind of a little bit selfish in a sense. Like, we've been around away from people, so I, I kind of get it. But it's like, if, if you're going to want something from somebody, know how you benefit them in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, try to find ways to be mutually beneficial in all relationships and i think that will allow artists to get a lot further than simply just looking for me 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 you know what i mean when you're able to like oh you know if i do this song i'll be able to perform it at um your freaking do 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 um it'd be like kind of like you know what what b-boy fidget was doing with his clothing and stuff he was collaborating with that one clothing line up oh, on oh, the hill oh, wait p something Throwbacks Northwest. Throwbacks Northwest. Like, those are mutual, beneficial relationships. You know what I'm saying? Where it's not like he's just going in to sell his merch. Like, no, he's actually, like, hosting and, like, telling people about this place. So after he leaves, there's still impact for this company. You know what I'm saying? So, like, just find ways to make sure, like, you're leaving impact that benefits not just you, but the people around you. You know what I'm saying? I think that'll allow people to just, you expand way quicker. It's like, cross-pollinations of mad fucking crazy thing really it's crazy it <laughs> yes, really sir. is so go stream merchandise Django yes. featuring Sam Chow. listen no stream merchandise right now because we're so close to 150,000 streams Ooh. it's my largest song to date like I never thought I'm not gonna lie like when I was first making music I never thought oh let me get 100,000 streams I didn't even think that way oh let me get a million streams but now that I've gotten it I know some people have already gotten it if you got a million streams leave me alone <laughs> this is my first 100,000 I'm tripping about it I'm about to hit 150,000 and I'm wilding out Django featuring Samuel Chow merchandise peep that on Spotify peep that on Apple wherever you do streaming you can catch it on my website at DjangoLives.com that's J-A-N-G-O-L-I-V-E-S dot com um, 
Yeah, play that bitch until you tired of playing that bitch and then play it one more time. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what is the easiest way for people to reach Django? Uh, like I said, you can tap in onto my website. That's where all of my music is uh, located. Uh, my IG link is located there. Um, there may be... Oh, 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 you can find all of my like active um, show dates on there. Like it's... My management team did a great job on that damn site, so check it out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you also, if you ever want to just have like a more personal conversation, you can catch me on my IG at Django Lives. That's J A N G O L I V E S. There we go. This is the NAS podcast with Django. You already know what it is, baby. And we did it.